92 WKTU, round three, get on up and get down. WLIR Garden City, the new music station. Breaking news story, a serious news story. What? A plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. You're kidding! The World Trade Center is on fire. Which Solo Steve episode of Suburban Underground. This one admittedly is self-indulgent, self-reflective, and self-centered because it's about me and the history of my music appreciation. Hence, I named this episode Steve's Music History in 22 Songs, which is a title borrowed from Martin Popov's podcast History in Five Songs. Originally, I wanted to limit it to a nice round number of 20, but I just kept on thinking of more songs to include, so I ended up just stopping at 22. I apologize in advance if this is too personal to be of broad interest, 
but I'm hoping that there are artists, songs, experiences, and concepts that I discuss here that resonate with listeners, regardless of age and background. And I also apologize if the episode is too talky. My idea for this episode is that I selected songs that each represent points or phases along my life where music that I discovered had an impact in broadening or taking my musical tastes in a certain direction. And just so you know that I'm aware of it, a lot of this music was the consequence of people around me. My brother, for example, and certainly a lot of my friends and peers. Finally, this show isn't intended to cover all of the genres of music that I enjoy listening to. Some are definitely not represented in this episode. Okay, enough setup. Let's talk about... You wanted the best and you got the best! The hottest band in the world! KISS. I first learned about KISS in the sixth grade at Gayhead Elementary School in Hopewell Junction, New York. When a classmate brought an album into school... I don't recall why kids brought vinyl albums into school at that time. It wasn't like there was a turntable in the classroom that it could be played on. And even if there was, I don't recall there being an opportunity for an album to be played during class time. Nevertheless, it may have been Kiss's Rock and Roll Over album that was brought in. But soon after, I convinced my parents to buy me Kiss Destroyer one night at a local department store called Maze at the Duchess Mall in Fishkill, New York. This was my first proper introduction to rock music, and it kicked off my Kiss fanaticism. It is, to date, my favorite Kiss album, but that is not an outlandish claim because it's a favorite Kiss album of many Kiss fans. Back then, I couldn't get enough Kiss. The posters were on my walls. I bought books about them and their albums, naturally. This continued to around late 1978 or 1979, which neatly tracks with their popularity in the U.S. I did not buy their four solo albums, nor the Dynasty album, but did acquire those later. A few years on in college, a buddy of mine, John, and I bonded over our adolescent Kiss fanaticism. Nowadays, though, I still enjoy Kiss's 70s output, and some of their later stuff, but I find Paul and Gene to be extremely annoying jerks, and Kiss is more of a target of my scorn and ridicule these days. But there will always be something inside of me that is lured in by that logo and their makeup and costumes. Those images and the bright, brilliant branding that they imprinted in my mind decades ago still pulls me in to do things like watch videos on YouTube one after the other about KISS. Here is Flaming Youth by KISS from Destroyer from 1976.
Kiss! The radio created by Kiss. You've seen them, you've heard them. Now, for the first time, all the sheer excitement of Kiss is yours to capture with the Kiss Radio. Take Kiss with you. It's fun. Show your friends and be the first. Now, the Kiss Radio. 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 That was Donna Summer with Dim All the Lights. I actually edited that down to be an abridged version because I figured there might not be a lot of demand out there to hear old 70s disco, so I spared people's ears, although I still enjoy it. That was from Bad Girls from 1979. At some point during junior high, Van Wyke or Van Wick Junior High It's strange that there was no settled pronunciation for the school. 
around 1978 or 79, I was convinced by a friend that disco was the only decent music going on and that all the rest was garbage. With the burgeoning disco sucks movement, it didn't take long for this opinion to become very much out of step with my peers. And soon, probably within a year's time, we were back onto rock and roll. Nowadays, I find a lot of the late 70s disco to be silly and gimmicky, but I do appreciate some of it from the nostalgic standpoint. That said, some of it does rise above the genre. Back then, the big artists and or albums for me were the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, Cool in the Gang, Chic, and the aforementioned Donna Summer. Fun fact, both Kiss and Donna Summer, from whom we heard in this first set, were on the Casablanca Records label at that time. And we started off the show with Kiss with Flaming Youth from their 1976 album Destroyer. Let's move on to the next set. This marks the beginning of my interest in progressive rock, or as it was called back in the day, art rock. Well after my kiss and disco fascinations subsided, despite the fact that my brother and I liked Led Zeppelin, Queen, and Pink Floyd, just to name a few, for some reason Rush became my favorite band around this time. I can't recall how or why, probably had something to do with what some of my peers were into. This is now around 1980-1981 time frame, and the first thing I bought from Rush was their Archives album, which was a repackaging of their first three albums, their self-titled album, Fly By Night, and Caress of Steel. They were my favorite band for a while, at least through the Signals album. This is What You're Doing, the opening track from Rush's debut self-titled album from 1974. You think 
Okay, the new album. There are a number of new things on this album, new approaches to the album. Tell me what's new about it. Basically, it's newness derives from experiments that I guess we've conducted over the last couple of albums through Hemispheres and Farewell to Kings. We were experimenting with a lot of new instruments and sounds and rhythmic approaches and so on. And in a lot of cases, they were experimentation and took us off in varying directions. But this time, we found ways to put all those directions into a single stream. And consequently, I think the album probably has a more direct feel to it. Mr. Rick Wakeman on keyboards.
That was from Yes Songs from 1973, but it wasn't actually Yes. Strictly speaking, it was a Rick Wakeman solo performing excerpts from his solo album, The Six Wives of Henry VIII. And Yes Songs was a live album. The reason I chose that song, that solo Rick Wakeman song, was because I didn't want to uh, put a 15 or 20 minute prog rock tune and bog this show down even though I would have enjoyed it. And I actually liked that song quite a bit back then when I bought it, that uh, Rick Wakeman solo thing. In addition to Rush's early long-form songs, my other introduction to progressive rock was this album by Yes, Yes Songs. I bought this album based on its cover only, having been unaware of any of their songs before that point. And later in college, a fellow radio station member I'll get to the radio station stuff in a little bit. Introduced me to early Genesis, which I've come to really love quite a bit. And before that, we heard from Rush, from their self-titled debut album from 1974, What You're Doing. I bought that Yes Songs album the same day I bought Pieces of Eight from Styx. We're talking around 1980, 1981 in my high school time frame when I bought those albums. And that's John Jay High School in East Fishkill, New York. And speaking of Sticks, Pieces of Eight, there was a short period of time when Sticks was my favorite band. As far as genre is concerned, they sat in a similar place as Kansas in that they were quasi-progressive rock, but also straight-ahead melodic rock at the same time. And this next set represents the pleasure my brother and I found in listening to straightforward AOR type of rock. Here is the title track from Styx's 1978 album, Pieces of Eight. It's six o'clock, good morning sounds are everywhere. The warmth of spring, a gentle breeze blows through my hair. I hurry through my life, never stopping to see. It was meant to be I'm just a Easy. 
Glen Helen Regional Park in San Bernardino County over the Labor Day weekend. Many critics of the festival said it couldn't be done. That the day of the big Woodstock-style music festival was over. But the US Festival proved them wrong. with Money Money from their 1980 No Place to Run album, which was produced by George Martin, FYI. My brother was never really into UFO like I was. I found UFO's Nowhere to Run album in 8-track format in a cutout bin at Record World 
at the Duchess Mall in Fishkill, New York. Never having heard anything from the band previously, this album turned me into a UFO fan for life. And it didn't even have Michael Schenker on guitar. It was Paul Chapman who took over for Schenker, who had left after the previous album, Obsession. And I think part of the appeal for me is that feeling of being in an exclusive club. This band never made it big in the U.S., and UFO followers, though few and far between, are of the die-hard variety. Other artists in this genre, this AOR rock genre, that we were into were Triumph, Journey, Semi Hagar, Billy Squire, Styx, and April Wine, and I'm sure there were others. We owned albums by all of those artists. And before that, we heard from Styx, the title track from their 1978 album, Pieces of Eight. Let's move into harder rock and heavy metal. I heard Black Sabbath's Children of the Sea from the first Ronnie James Dio-fronted album, Heaven and Hell, in ninth grade art class. And I think that was probably the first Black Sabbath song I was aware of hearing. That must have been a class where playing music that students brought in was allowed. It was an art class, after all. I just found that song, Children of the Sea, to be so dark and evil, and I had never really heard anything like that before. It intrigued me. I didn't even realize Ozzy Osbourne, who was starting his solo career at that same time, was the original lead singer of Black Sabbath. Because we already played that song on Suburban Underground, I chose a different heavy metal song. Maybe not as dark as that. I chose a Def Leppard song from around the same time to represent the introduction of heavy metal into our lives. High and Dry was an album that I think is nearly perfect from beginning to end. I remember blasting it on our father's stereo system when no one was home, and it signifies the interest that my brother Rob and I started to have in heavy metal around this time. That included other artists such as Ozzy Osbourne's solo, the aforementioned Black Sabbath Dio era, Iron Maiden, and Judas Priest, who we will also hear from. This is You Got Me Running from Def Leppard from their High and Dry album from 1981.
can put over the heavy rock side of, of the music, but also extend it into a lot more harmonies and a lot more melodies, and so appeal to a wider audience. To be quite honest, I don't think there's any way a straight heavy metal band would sell five million albums in America, because you've got to be something extra as well. And I think we've managed to cross over between a, a lot of maybe <clears throat> Journey fans or foreigner fans and... Uh, Judas Priest, Judas Priest fan. We, we, we've fallen somewhere in between the two. What we've got is like hard rock, is what we'd rather call it, plus. So you get your hard rock audience, which may be, a, I don't know, a certain percentage of the population, plus extra people that would not normally listen to that music, but because it's got a bit more melody, they check it out, you know. So. Riding on the Wind from Judas Priest from Screaming for Vengeance, their 1982 album, 
I loved every song on this album, and it caused me to buy the Hellbent for Leather album from 1978, which I also really liked and still do. I know Stained Class is a favorite among true Priest fans, but I didn't buy that back in the day, and I didn't even own any songs from it until fairly recently. And before that, Def Leppard with You Got Me Running from High and Dry from 1981. I actually saw Def Leppard on the Pyromania tour. Opening up for them was the Swiss band Crocus and Gary Moore. Just to recap, that set symbolized and represents our introduction to heavy metal music. This next set represents a broadening of my horizons. In my senior year of high school, driving around on Friday nights, heading to Friendly's for ice cream or to the Duchess Mall to hang out, my friends Sean and Jeff began to open my mind to more arty and new wave artists, such as the B-52s, The Cars, and U2. Due to the influence of MTV, I bought Duran Duran's Rio on vinyl and The Fixes Reach the Beach on cassette. We didn't have cable TV in our house, but I remember a friend who did gave me a VHS tape filled with recorded hours of MTV. I remember seeing videos for U2's New Year's Day, Prince's Little Red Corvette, Joan Jett, Crimson and Clover, The Fix, Stand or Fall, as well as many others. My friend and future college roommate Jeff and I were really into Sparks's Angst in My Pants. I remember seeing Sparks perform on Saturday Night Live. They performed I Predict, and probably Mickey Mouse, I can't recall the second song. And I started getting into David Bowie around this time. The first album I bought of Bowie's was either a vinyl copy of Ziggy Stardust or Changes One Bowie, the hits compilation. Here is Sextown USA from Sparks's Angst in My Pants album from 1982. Shoes because I'm gonna recommend a little something for you. Oh, yeah. Grab your little Lulu or your salad, your soup, and take the wrap and wrap the chocolates without no taboos. Oh, yeah. What you say? Who are you? Never mind, just sing the tune. Six time USA.
to yourself from david bowie from the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars from 1972 
and Sparks with Sextown USA from their 1982 album Angst in My Pants. My tastes broadened dramatically freshman year of college and in the direction of non-mainstream, new wave, and other college radio type genres, which was a result of falling in with the college radio station crowd. The college I went to was Western New England College in Springfield, Massachusetts, and our radio station was 97.5 FM WNEK. By second semester of freshman year, I started my own weekly radio show. Representing that major upheaval in my musical tastes, I chose here Echo and the Bunnymen and Simple Minds. Back early in my freshman year, I had never heard of the Bunnymen. I believe I had heard Promised You a Miracle by Simple Minds somehow, but nothing else from them. Other artists that were big for me around this time and continue to be, The Cure, New Order, and R.E.M. To this day, although I love a lot of different music genres, late 70s and 80s new wave slash college radio music is what I probably cherish the most. Maybe it's just a nostalgic reflex, I don't know. This was one of the first songs I remember being played for me by a friend of mine named Deer. Here is Never Stop from Echo and the Bunnymen, which came from an EP from 1984 called The Sound of Echo. WNEK-FM. This is a song from Echo and the Bunnymen on WNEK.
know if many of you are aware, but The Damned will be playing at uh, Pearl Street, I think the 27th of February, which is next Thursday. I don't know if I can get there, but I'd like to see them. And here's something from them called, called Grimly Fiendish off their Phantasmagoria LP.
Simple Minds, New Music 97.5 WNEK. From 1982's New Gold Dream, 81, 82, 83, 84, that was Simple Minds with Hunter and the Hunted. That was not actually The Damned. And on that track, Herbie Hancock played the keyboard solo, which is really good. With New Wave and college music, there's that exclusive club effect going on here that I mentioned earlier with regard to UFO. Certainly on a macro level with all of these types of bands that we were listening to at the time, they were either ignored or mocked by your typical fan of mainstream rock back in the 80s. And this is way before Alternative went mainstream in the early 90s. That Alternative going mainstream phenomena has had a retroactive effect as well, because I am floored by the number of people these days who love Violent Femmes' debut album, when back then it was an acquired taste even for New Wave fans, such as myself. But I digress. Back to that exclusive club concept. It was also an effect with Simple Minds at a micro level, because I loved the band before they had the hit Don't You Forget About Me, having discovered them with New Gold Dream, and continuing that devotion through Sparkle in the Rain. And although I was happy they had this massive success with a song they didn't even write from the Breakfast Club soundtrack, and also some hits off of Once Upon a Time, I felt like they were no longer necessarily my band. Now, decades later, they are unfortunately only remembered for their enduring hit Don't You Forget About Me. This is a band that should be remembered for more than one song. Continuing on in this 80s college radio vein, one of our radio station friends, Dave, was the punk rock guy in our group and certainly the biggest punk rock fan on the radio station staff. And he got me to realize that not all punk rock was atonal noise. Some of it had pop melodies, which was a gateway into the punk rock side of the 70s and 80s alternative music for me. Although most hardcore bands that Dave liked really was a tonal noise to me, such as The Circle Jerks, Agnostic Front, Gangrene, Bad Brains, Minor Threat. Other bands I got into around this time were more melodic, like The Buzzcocks, Ramones, The Clash, and The Descendants. Here are some memories from my college years that really don't necessarily have to do with punk specifically. One of our favorite things to do was to go to Northampton, Massachusetts, and browse Main Street Records. I remember seeing in the Pleasant Street movie theater, the Talking Heads movie, Stop Making Sense. Before that movie, I didn't care that much about Talking Heads, but that got me really to appreciate them, or at least the performances in that movie. We also would go to an all-ages club in downtown Springfield called The Zone, where local punk rock and new wave bands would play on Friday and Saturday nights. It was ostensibly an art gallery, but they set up a stage in one part of that space where the bands would play. Anyway, back to punk rock. Here is Falling Down from Stiff Little Fingers from their 1982 album, Now Then. Bro. 
Someone's falling down Someone's falling down Is it me or you? Oh, someone's falling down Falling down, down. Little Fingers with Falling Down. Falling Down by Stiff Little Fingers from their Now Then album from 1982. Those previous two sets covered my life in my first couple years of college, which was around 1983-1984. Moving on, back while I was in high school, I bought the Rolling Stones Hot Rocks 1964-1971 compilation album on vinyl. And that was enough to satisfy my Rolling Stones fix for several years. However, eventually in the mid-80s, and I forgot why, but I bought a used vinyl copy of Beggar's Banquet at the Stormville Flea Market. And that was my introduction to the Jimmy Miller-produced era of the Rolling Stones discography. I previously didn't really get their late 60s really bluesy stuff such as the long live version of Midnight Rambler on Hot Rocks. A few years after buying Becker's Banquet, I bought a used vinyl copy of Exile on Main Street at a record store in Northampton, Massachusetts, and eventually the Rolling Stones became my second favorite band. More on my first favorite band coming up later. Here is Salt of the Earth from the Rolling Stones from Becker's Banquet from 1968. Hard-working people They drink to the lonely of earth Raise your glass to the good and the evil They drink to the salt of the earth Say a prayer for the common foot soldier Spare a heart for his back-breaking work
Embarking upon this, this tour, so you know, we hope this is the first of many and long future tours of America that we do from time to time. And we go on and on and on doing them, we never seem to stop, so I don't see why we should stop now.
Greed by Nirvana from their breakthrough album Nevermind from 1991. I believe I was a bit ahead of the curve in recognizing Nevermind as a special album. I had heard Smells Like Teen Spirit on a local Springfield, Massachusetts radio station, probably a college station, and was blown away. In fact, the CD copy of it that I bought was an early enough edition that it didn't have the hidden track Endless Nameless at the end. And as far as grunge went, I was really just into some of the big names like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Temple of the Dog, and Hole. I didn't buy any Mud Honey or even Soundgarden for that matter, but I think it did open my mind up to better appreciate the post-college alternative music which is to say post-1987, because I graduated in 1987. After college, I struggled to keep up with the alternative music scene. No longer being part of the radio station, I probably harbored some resentment, which caused me to reject a lot of alternative music that came out after 1987 as a defense mechanism. Also, the fact that alternative was becoming mainstream kind of took away that feeling of being in an exclusive club that I mentioned earlier. I did come around to liking some 90s alternative music acts, which is probably due to Nirvana and Pearl Jam opening the door to that. But some stuff I could never manage to appreciate, like new metal bands, such as Korn, Limp Bizkit, System of a Down. Are they even considered new metal? I don't even know. And that post-grunge sound of Creed, Nickelback, Finger 11, etc., a sound that seemed to carry on and dominate FM rock radio for a good 10 years after grunge mania had subsided. Before moving on, I should mention that before that Nirvana song, we heard the Rolling Stones' Salt of the Earth from Beggar's Banquet. Going back to the theme of the people around me who influenced the type of music that I listened to, also in the 90s, my friends Larry and Rich and my roommate Pete and I talked about and shared music with one another, both while I lived in the Springfield, Mass. area, and it continued after I moved to Boston. Now, another thing that got me back in the swing of things with alternative music in the early 90s was subscribing to a magazine called CMJ New Music Monthly, a magazine which came with a CD sampler in every issue. I knew of CMJ from college because the radio station received a CMJ trade publication, which is different from the one that was geared to the customers that I eventually subscribed to in the 90s. I probably have about eight years worth of issues of that magazine in a box somewhere in the house. That magazine introduced me to a lot of alternative bands. Sadly, they went defunct a few years back. This song coming up now was on the CD that came with the first issue I received of CMJ New Music Monthly, the May 1994 edition. It's The Charlatans with Can't Get Out of Bed. British genres like what came out of the mad Chester rave scene and shoegaze just kind of passed me by in the early 90s. And getting a CD with new music every month was just a godsend in keeping me up to date. Here's The Charlatans with Can't Get Out of Bed from their 1994 album Up to Our Hips. Don't let it stand there.
Kurt Cobain was the lead singer of the group Nirvana. And then this morning, his body found at home, another casualty of success. Michael Diamond. No, mine's Clarence. From downtown Manhattan. From village. My style's wild and you know that it's still This snowbag's rapping and you're doing the ball. Shake your rope. Your Rump by the Beastie Boys from their highly acclaimed 1989 Paul's Boutique album. Other than Rapper's Delight, which I owned as a 12-inch vinyl single back in junior high school during my disco phase, I was never really interested in rap music until I embraced Paul's Boutique. My friend Jeff, mentioned earlier, bought a vinyl copy of it back around the time it came out and played it for me one day when I was visiting him in Groton, Connecticut. 
soon after I acquired my own copy on CD through the BMG Music Club and fell in love with it. This is another album that my brother and I bond over. I'm still not a big rap fan. I'm not interested in any rap that has come out in the past 25 or 30 years other than maybe some Beastie Boy songs. But I have learned to appreciate some of that early rap from the early to mid 80s when despite the fact that the genre was much more innocent compared to the vulgar and vile rap that came out later, gangster rap and everything after that, I still shunned it at the time. One might think that my embracing of Paul's Boutique and other Beastie Boys albums would extend to liking Eminem, for example, but no, it doesn't. Before that, we heard The Charlatans with Can't Get Out of Bed from Up to Our Hips from 1994. Now moving on to the late 90s when I lived in Boston with my then-girlfriend, now-wife, son. Late afternoons walking from the work office to the government center T-stop, I would pass a Newberry Comics store. They had a section of markdown CDs. And one day on a lark, I bought a discounted copy of Frank Sinatra's Songs for Swingin' Lovers. I later learned that this was actually a landmark album for Sinatra. I did not realize that for a while. That album opened my eyes to his collaborations with Nelson Riddle and all of his pre-60s career music. Previously, I really only knew his reprise hits because I had bought the Sinatra reprise, the Very Good Years compilation a few years earlier, and everyone knows the songs My Way and New York, New York. Subsequently, I learned about big band music from the 30s and 40s and what I call classic pop from the 40s and 50s from such artists as Ella Fitzgerald, Bing Crosby, Dean Martin, and Sinatra, of course. This is You Make Me Feel So Young from Frank Sinatra from Songs for Swingin' Lovers from 1956. You make me feel so young You make me feel so spring has sprung And every time I see you grin I'm such a happy individual The moment that you speak I want to go play hide and seek I want to go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon You and I are just like a couple of tots Running across a meadow Picking up lots of forget-me-nots You make me feel so young You make me feel there are songs to be sung Bells to be rung And a wonderful fling to be flung And even when I'm old and gray I'm gonna feel the way I do today Cause you make me feel so young You make me feel so young You make me feel so spring has sprung And every time I see you grin I'm such a happy individual the moment that you speak 
I wanna go and play hide and seek I wanna go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon You and I are just like a couple of tots Running across a meadow Picking up lots of forget-me-nots You make me feel so young You make me feel there are songs to be sung Bells to be rung Wonderful fling to be flung And even when I'm old and gray I'm gonna feel the way I do feel so young you make me feel so young you make me feel so young Ooh, you make me feel so young Good evening. The man whose voice was a familiar and much-loved sound in the homes of generations of ordinary people was mourned by them all today. Frank Sinatra closed his famous blue eyes for the final time early this morning after a heart attack in a Los Angeles hospital. <laughs>
Rush with a live version of Free Will from the Rush and Rio live album from 2003. Earlier in the show, I mentioned that I went through a period in high school when Rush was my favorite band. And once I was in college and neck deep in new wave alternative college music, Rush became kind of a second class citizen in my life. I still bought their albums for a while. But they were not what you would consider at the top of my list of artists anymore. In the 90s, I wasn't even buying their albums. Then about 20 years ago, married with two young children living in central Massachusetts, somehow I got interested in the recently released, at the time, Rush in Rio DVD and actually bought a copy of it. That rekindled that old love for the band. They quickly became my favorite band again and have been ever since. I went back and acquired every album I missed, plus every album that has come out since, and I have seen them in concert on every tour from the R30 in 2004 on until their final one. Before that, we heard You Make Me Feel So Young from Frank Sinatra from 1956, his songs for a Swingin' Lovers album. In the second half of the 2000s, living in New Hampshire, my neighbor, Alan, who worked all of his life in radio, and I talked about music quite a bit. He introduced me to a lot of power pop. I was aware of power pop and liked some of it, such as Gin Blossoms, Tommy Keen, Material Issue, Jellyfish, and some of the early 80s skinny tie, new wavy power pop. But I was pretty selective and ignorant of what else was out there. He introduced me to Fountains of Wayne, from whom I had previously only heard Stacy's Mom, and a lot of compilations, both of early power pop and also the 2000s era Not Lame record label compilations. And, and I love power pop now, contrary to my radio partner Drew's views on the subject. Here is Bright Future in Sales from Fountains of Wayne from their 2003 Welcome Interstate Managers album. Sleeping on a planner at the part authority, waiting for my bus to come. Seven scotch and sodas at the office party, now I don't remember where I'm from. I think I had a black wallet in my back pocket with a bus ticket and a picture of my baby inside. And if I make it home alive, I'm gonna get my shit together. Cause I can't live like this forever. You know I've come too far and I don't wanna fail. I got a new computer and a bright future in sales, yeah, yeah. Sales, yeah, 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 yeah. Heading for the airport on a misty morning, gonna catch a flight to Baltimore. Try to kill an hour with the whiskey sour. If there's time, I might have just one more. I gotta do some quick reading for the big meeting, but my head is spinning and I can't quite open my eyes. As long as I don't have to drive, I'm gonna get my shit together. Cause I can't live like this forever. You know I've come too far and I don't wanna fail. I got a new computer and a bright future in sales, yeah, yeah. A bright future in sales, yeah, yeah. A bright future in sales. 
That was I'm the One for You by Dude York from their 2019 Falling album. As my partner in radio, Drew and I are fond to say, we started Suburban Underground to share our music collections with people. And though that still remains true, it turned into more than just that. We also discovered a lot of decent current music. And he and I introduced music to one another as well. I came to appreciate the White Stripes and Louis XIV more than I previously did, to give just two examples. Too much of today's music is rap or heavily rap-influenced. Trap beats and auto-tune abuse just drives me crazy. But there is still decent music being made out there. Rock music. The Dude York song represents that. There are so many artists that we have discovered over the past six years while we've been doing the radio show. Too many to name. But just to throw out some examples, the organ beats, the regrets, churches, the accidentals, wildlife, royal republic, the so-so glows. First, our friend Chris, whom we met playing trivia at the Shaskeen in Manchester a few years back, who is a real audiophile, especially with new wave and electronic music, has clued me in on a lot of great music And we'll hear another newish song to close out. But first, let me mention that we heard Bright Future and Sales from Fountains of Wayne from their 2003 album, Welcome Interstate Managers. And if you made it this far in the show, first of all, thank you. I hope I didn't bore you. I hope you appreciated the music, or at least some of it, and my stories to some degree. We're going to close out with something from 2018 from The Vaccines. This is Someone to Lose from their Combat Sports album. So long, Bedford, and everyone out there who has their own musical stories to tell. Precious is your first name, but that's not how you do me. Oh, your spirit is a freight train, I feel it running through me. I know there's guys that you like better. Yeah.
Suburban Underground.